Let's pray as we begin. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to think about a, a time in your life when you were particularly close to God, if you identify as a Christ follower, maybe the time when you were closest to Jesus. I want you to just kind of visualize that. I go back to my experience at, at Chick in 1997. Chick stands for Covenant High in Christ. It's our triennial youth conference in our denomination. Uh, our students are going to be going to Chick this summer, by the way, so if you know a high schooler, you are a high schooler, or you uh, can imagine that you might know a high schooler, they absolutely should be going to Chick in July, and we need to make that happen. I can say that this was the, the catalyst for a period of huge spiritual growth in my life, the beginning of a period where I felt eminently close to Jesus. This period of my life was, was characterized by dependence on Jesus, meeting him on a, on a regular basis, daily basis, in scripture and in prayer, and a general excitement around the presence of God, which I so clearly felt. That nearness that I experienced in that period of my life uh, is something that I've regularly tried to replicate throughout my life to varying degrees of success. I imagine that what I felt in that season of life is what we see in our gospel story this morning. We have this visual of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning from him and enjoying his presence. Mary is commended by what she's doing, uh, for what she's doing by Jesus when he says, there is only need of one thing, and Mary, Mary, who's sitting at my feet, has chosen the better part. This is the image of, of sitting at the feet of Jesus, and, and I know that feeling. I know that feeling. I agree with Jesus. It's the best. It's the absolute best. It's the better part of life. And that's partly why we're calling this sermon series One Thing at the Feet of Jesus during our Lenten season. It's our desire that this sermon series uh, causes us to be like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, enjoying his presence, and being renewed. But I'll be honest as well. I'm often troubled by the fact that I, I wasn't able to stay in that place with Jesus. I wasn't able to just stay at his feet. Why am I not able to remain in that kind of relationship, that kind of space? Maybe you feel that way too. Why is it so hard for me sometimes to experience the presence of God, the presence of Jesus in my everyday life? Why can't I be more like Mary? <laughs> well, I want to take a look at this passage this morning because I think it has some surprises for us that may help to answer those questions. First, I, I want to read it again. I don't need to read it again because Tess always does such a good job, but but this is an opportunity for us to hear it again. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but there's need for only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, 
which will not be taken away from her. Here we get this picture of these two women. Sisters yet quite different, aren't they? Martha's the host. She's the domestic manager, the one who's making sure that that Jesus is being welcomed, the one who is concerned with hospitality. Mary is portrayed as simply being with Jesus. Martha gets irked by her sister's behavior, as some of us probably would do. Jesus, can you please tell her to, to get into the kitchen and help me here? I'm doing everything. But Jesus rebukes Martha for her busyness. He tells her that Mary has the right focus. If you read interpreters on this passage, the same interpretation comes up numerous times. The story of Mary and Martha highlights the fundamental human difference between being and doing. Being and doing. Martha is doing for Jesus, while Mary is focused on being with Jesus. And this is certainly true. We ought not to confuse the two. They are not the same. Being is not doing, and doing is not necessarily being. God forbid that we would do and do for Jesus and forget who we are to Jesus in the process. Many preachers pick up on this refrain refrain quite beautifully, maintaining the priority of the contemplative life over the active life. In other words, we, we need to strive for a nearness, that nearness that I talked about earlier, a nearness to Jesus. Make it a priority to sit at the feet of Jesus rather than just be busy doing things. But I think if that's where we end in our interpretation, we're really only scratching the surface of this text and all that it has to say to us. And I think actually if we do that, we're doing a disservice to Martha in many ways because that application is kind of reductionistic. The interests of Luke in this brief passage are not really about an active versus contemplative lifestyle. That's not what he's interested in. Actually, this text is about hospitality. That's what this text is about. The passage that immediately precedes this is the parable of the Good Samaritan, as clear a teaching on hospitality as scripture can offer us. And hospitality is lifted up as a a true marker of discipleship, of what it means to really follow Jesus. So we owe it to Luke and, and to Mary and to Jesus and to Martha to read this passage with some new eyes. Let me offer a few points, four points in particular, that may cast Martha in a little bit of a better light for us this morning. First, Martha actually did have a job to do. What we often fail to see in this passage is that that Martha really did have a task of hospitality, and it was important. We have this visual somehow that Mary and Martha are attending to just Jesus, but in verse 38, it indicates that Jesus and his disciples were traveling and came upon this village. It's very likely that that Martha had to open up her home to all 12 of the disciples, and maybe more who were following along as well. The fact that the disciples sort of drop out of the story doesn't necessarily indicate that they were never in Martha's house, but rather that they were at her home, had likely already eaten, and then had either left Jesus with, with these women, or they were conversing amongst themselves in another part of the home while Jesus was with Mary. All this to say, Martha actually did have a big job to do, She had to feed over a dozen people. She had to make space for all of them. She had to cleanse their hands and their feet and and make them comfortable and give space for Jesus' word to happen. All of you who are veterans at serving the holiday meal for your large family probably have a little bit of sympathy for Martha, right? All this to say, 
that there was a real need for hospitality and somebody did have to meet that need. Second thing is, you might notice that Jesus does not tell Martha to to stop fussing about housing him. (laughs) He doesn't enter and say, Martha, please don't make a fuss. I I can get my own dinner later. Just please come and sit with me. That's not recorded in the text. No, there was a first century expectation of hospitality, even from Jesus, that doesn't seem to release Martha of the task that are before him. Because of this, we shouldn't infer that what Martha is doing is bad. The text doesn't say that. There, there wasn't an option to, to solely be for Martha because she had things to do, and Jesus doesn't keep her from that. Which brings me to my next point. Jesus does not correct Martha for being a doer. That's not what he corrects her for. Notice Jesus tend to reply, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about many things. Using her name twice, and man, Tess picked up on this so well when she read it. Gosh, I love that. Using her name twice was, a, was like a term of endearment, but also kind of a I'm ready to drop the hammer kind of way of doing things, right? Martha, Martha, let me tell you something. Let me correct you. Jesus calls out her worry and her distraction. Her worry about having her house in order and her worry over what her sister wasn't doing. He's really addressing an attitude, the attitude with which she is doing things for Jesus. Worry and distraction are things that are not pleasing to God, nor is it what God wants for us. And for Martha, they keep her from being present with Jesus. It's not the thing she has to do, it's the worries and the distractions. Jesus is essentially saying, I've got very important kingdom things that I need to say to you, and I want you to take the posture of a learner, but worry and distraction are going to cause you to miss me and my word entirely. The fourth thing, and lastly, and this is really important, Mary was actually doing something that was really taboo. We might not think of it today, but Mary, by all accounts, never should have been sitting at the feet of Jesus. That was a place for the disciples, for the young men who were, who were soaking up Jesus' words. Mary was supposed to be serving those men, being hospitable to those men, but instead, she assumes the place and the posture of a disciple. This is radical, and it's daring, and it's countercultural, and it's risky for Mary to do. But not surprisingly, because we know the character of Jesus, Jesus loves it. He thinks it's great. She is so fixated on him that she forgets about the worries and the cares that should have been consuming her. Martha's shocked. She's embarrassed. She's frustrated by her sister's action. So she's within her rights to ask Mary to get up and pitch in. But Jesus offers a corrective. When we put this all together, we see that it's not so simple as as Mary's just being and Martha's just doing. It's a passage about hospitality. And in Luke's gospel in particular, we could say that both sisters are being hospitable. We can lift them up as examples of hospitality. Martha's act of serving, albeit with regrettably distracted and anxious spirit, is indeed a wonderful example of hospitality. When we welcome others into our home and we serve them, when we meet their needs and and set tables and create spaces for conversation, we are indeed being hospitable in a very Christian way. But Mary's also being hospitable by giving Jesus her full attention, by welcoming his word in her heart, 
by creating space to learn from him in her life. This is a hospitality of the heart. And both of these are markers of discipleship. You see, I, I don't want us to choose being overdoing or doing over being because both are important. Both are hallmarks of hospitality and both are sign points of the life of true discipleship. The story of Mary and Martha is actually, if it's about anything, I think it's about the balance between doing and being. The balance between the contemplative life and the active faith. Last Christmas, we um, took our kids down to see the Christmas lights on Michigan Avenue. It wasn't a particularly beautiful night, but it was something we wanted to do. Wanted to do a little bit of shopping and just enjoy some family time together. I know many of you have done that. Obviously, as a dad, uh, I'm trying to be aware of where my kids are uh, at all times, holding their hands, especially a certain squirrely five-year-old daughter of mine. We entered a store through a revolving door on Michigan Avenue, and I realized that I had to let go of her hand because she, she had gone through the partition in front of me, and we weren't really going to fit together and kind of trip over each other. So I, I told her, okay, go, and then go inside the store. So I let her go. Big mistake. When she turned herself toward the inside of the store, she was having so much fun in her independence that she just kept going. And I was, of course, helpless at that point. I had a glass wall between me and her, so uh, this revolving door that kept revolving, I, I couldn't ask her to stop. She was laughing along the way, as if this was some sort of exciting roller coaster for her. And then her brothers thought it was funny, so they hopped in as well. At one point, they all got in the same partition together before I could grab them, and they were tripping over each other, and they were bringing this door to a standstill. It took four or five times around uh, the door for me to eventually retrieve my children and apologize to the patient shoppers who were waiting to use the door to get in to do their shopping. As I was spinning, I think there was something deep inside my soul that was resonating within me uh, about this experience. And I think it's this, that my faith life often feels like a spin cycle, doesn't it? It's in and out, in and out, in and out, and it rarely seems easy for me. Oftentimes in my faith, I just want a regular door. I think that would just be a lot easier, a door that I can, I can open and then close it and, and lock it behind me and sit at the feet of Jesus like I was when I was 16 years old, and I can just be with him. But here's the thing. I think Jesus calls us to something more like a revolving door, a constant movement in towards Jesus and out where we can serve Jesus. Mary, Martha, Mary, Martha. The more I look back at my experience in my teenage years, what I realized about that period is that I, while I was having these rich times sitting at the feet of Jesus, Jesus was using those times to send me out, to send me back out to go love and serve him. And then those times when I was out loving and serving him, I began to feel the call to come back to that quiet place and sit at the feet of Jesus. It was actually this, this in and out, this revolving door, this rhythmic balance that I was experiencing that was so life-giving. Discipleship, following Jesus, is a rhythmic balance. It's a combination of both service and reflection, being with Jesus and doing for Jesus. It's a great revolving door. 
When we get too fixated on one or the other, the door doesn't get used, and we lose our sense of rhythm. When we get frantic, worried, distracted in our doing or our being, it's sort of like when my kids piled together in that door and caused it to just stop completely. It causes us to lose the balanced flow of discipleship. When we look at others and, and what they're doing in their lives, doing with their rhythm, and we, and we pass judgments or we compare ourselves to them, which Martha did with her sister Mary, by the way, we get bitter and, and frustrated with the rhythm and it starts to become laborious rather than life-giving. If we're too cautious about hopping into the rhythm, we'll likely miss the rhythm altogether. I actually looked it up this week. People get injured in revolving doors all the time. <laughs> like serious injuries. I'm not going to share a bunch of them, but do you want to know why people get injured? Two common reasons. I bet you can guess what they are. Because they're distracted on their phones or their belongings get tangled up and they cause them to get smushed in the door. Those are most of the reasons for injuries in revolving doors. So that rem remember that when Jesus told Martha that she was worried and distracted by many things. Do you remember that? You can imagine Martha maybe on her cell phone with, with ten huge bags around her shoulder trying to get through a revolving door. Those are distractions and worries, and they ruin our rhythm. I hope that as we've studied this passage this morning that we're seeing the ways of, of Mary and Martha and how they, how they come together for us. I pray that we can step into a kind of doing that shapes our being and a kind of being that shapes our doing. A holy, balanced rhythm that allows us to be hospitable in our hearts and in our actions. The goal ought not, be, ought not to be to just get in a holy place with Jesus. It ought to be that we can get into that holy place at the feet of Jesus so that we can then be called out to go out and be like him only to return again. So I want you to ask yourselves this morning, how is your rhythm of being and doing today? What distractions or worries threaten that rhythm for you? Let's continue to push ourselves towards a healthier in and out as a way of responding to Jesus' word for us this morning. One last bit of business. If this is indeed a rhythm, a, a, a being and doing that are both good, then why does Jesus say there's only need of one thing? Why is Mary lifted up as the better example? I mean, it, the text uses the word better. She's chosen the better thing. Even though she doesn't exhibit balance in this text, she's just being with Jesus, right? It's a great question. And, and to be honest, we can't really be certain from the text itself exactly what all of that means. But here's what I think. I think that Jesus is telling us where our rhythm needs to be going. We have to start at the feet of Jesus. For us, that translates into time in his word, a commitment to church, times of silence before God in prayer, and active listening for his voice and his spirit. Why? Because I think Jesus knows all of us well enough to know that our great temptation is to serve at the expense of being fed spiritually. I think that's true for most of us. 
I think he knows that we're constantly tempted to do and do and do and not typically tempted to stay at the feet of Jesus. Maybe some of you are tempted to just stay at the feet of Jesus. Most people that I know and I interact with are much more tempted to busy themselves. For this reason, it's Mary who's chosen the better thing, the one thing that's needful, because this is where the balanced life of discipleship flows from. So, as we begin this Lenten journey, we're inviting you to the feet of Jesus throughout this season. Not merely to sit there, but to observe Jesus, to learn from him, so that we can be refreshed and resourced to go out and to be like him and to serve him. Each week, we're going to be looking at a different story from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus was with people and taught people and helped people. It's going to be an opportunity for us each week to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. And it's our prayer that we would learn from him in such a way that we might be compelled to go out and be like him in the same way that he was for us to serve him. And by doing so, we might even serve Jesus himself. So we invite you each week to come back and sit at the feet of Jesus during this time. We've also given you a tool so that you can learn from Jesus each day. There's a bookmark in your bulletin that has a reading plan for the portion of the Gospel of Luke that's centered on Jesus' ministry. It begins today, you'll note, uh, there's dates on it. It begins today, and it goes all the way through Easter Sunday. I would invite you to, to take that bookmark to... Uh, to read those passages each day. It won't take very long for you to read them, but, but maybe do it as well with a notebook nearby so that you can write down questions or prayers or thoughts that you have as you read. And maybe it's an opportunity for you each and every day to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you teaching me here? Let's join together around God's word in a way so that we're fed spiritually by him but can also go out so that we experience a nearness of him but are compelled to serve him, so that our being might be fed by our doing, and our doing might be fed by our being. Amen? Amen. As a way of response this morning, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes, if you would. Bow your head. I want to read this text again, almost as a prayer that we're inviting ourselves into i want you to ask two questions as i read this text again where am i right now who am i in this story do i identify more with mary or more with martha then i want to ask the question after that where do i want to be Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her.
Lord, we confess to you how often we get out of rhythm. How often we can equate our our doing with our worth. How often we forget to just sit at your feet and be with you and learn from you. Lord, we confess all these things, our worries and our distractions and our false motives, our lack of discipline. And we ask that you would replace each of these with a holy rhythm of in and out, of being and doing, that our being might feed our doing and our doing feed our being. We desire, Lord, to be your true disciples. We desire to sit at your feet and to learn from you so that we might go out to this world that so desperately needs you and be Christ to them. So Lord, would you give us a vision, a sense, a meter to begin that rhythm by again in a new way this day. We pray in your name. Amen. I'll invite you to stand as